Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? Welcome back to Japers Inc. Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And uh, today, Stringham, we're here and uh, we're talking some red wraps. So, uh, how, one, how are you doing? And two, uh, ready to get started? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, good to be back. I'm actually recording from my mother's house, actually, back in Maryland. So, uh, for the first time since the pandemic started, we're traveling. So, that's pretty great. There you go. And I'm actually recording this. We kind of swapped locations because... Uh, I'm recording this from Austin, Texas right now uh, in a lovely hotel room in, Austin, in downtown Austin. So uh, we, we swapped places, uh, which, is, which is exciting. I've, I've greatly enjoyed my Texas trip, and uh, I'm currently stuffed with uh, some breakfast burritos. So uh, let's, let's just let's dive right in. So the way we're going to do it is um, I, we're only going to mainly focus on the like, main, name brand players, um, but we are going to go through alphabetically, and for a player that hasn't played a lot, I think I'm just going to say, uh, we're just going to do a quick metric of what I'm going to call pass or play. So, the, and I say this, uh, string because the first player on the list is Craig Anderson. So I don't feel a super long need to go into the Craig Anderson discussion, but, uh, pass or play on Craig Anderson. Uh, we can pass. I mean, or we can just say he he served served honorably in the playoffs. There you go. There you go. I think I think I'm with you on that. And uh, the next player I think is a lot more interesting, and that is uh, Nicholas Backstrom. So Nicholas Backstrom's interesting. He uh, was on the first year of his new contract extension and has another four years at nine million plus. So I mean, Backstrom was uh, again a great uh, great player in terms of point production. Um, but was really not good in the playoffs. So I guess Nicholas Backstrom, Adam, kind of what are what are your thoughts on him, and uh, kind of what did you like and what did you not like about Backstrom this season? Well, Backstrom was really productive to start the season, which was pretty great. Um, you know, it, it, it was noticeable for him. I, I, I thought he looked great, um, kind of in, in all areas of the ice to start. And he, he was getting a lot of points as well. As I said, uh, he did finish this year with 53 points in 55 games. Um, which is only one shy of his total from the year before in, in, in sixth less 
contest. So uh, a good year for Backstrom. Um, I mean, the contract is what it is, right? We all know he's going to be getting older, uh, losing foot speed, which he never really had a ton of to begin with. Um, unfortunately, this is Backstrom's second postseason in a row where he's only gotten uh, one point. He, his stat lines are, funnily enough, almost identical in the 1920 and 2021 postseason. So um, not a great look for Backstrom in the postseason, but um, you know, a, a solid regular season. Can't, can't complain too much um, and can't begrudge the guy for getting paid. No, and I mean, I think I think every every Capitals fan, I would imagine, feels similarly in the sense of uh, Bastrom, of course, underpaid for a lot of years, and uh, I don't think anyone's going to fault him himself for getting paid. Uh, whether the Caps should have handed him that contract, I think, is a different question. And I don't know, I, like String, the thing that does concern me a little bit about Bastrom is yes, he put up the points, but kind of the underlying numbers really seem to deteriorate for Bastrom this year, and. The question I also have is, I mean, now he's 33 and he was hurt again in the postseason. And, you know, I'm just a little concerned about whether these injuries for him are going to start to kind of keep lingering onward. So uh, are you you kind of just uh, what what, what do you think is like maybe the case for optimism about Backstrom? Because I think I kind of just painted maybe a little more pessimistic of a picture. Um. I don't, you know, optimism's never really been my uh, strong suit, <laughs> as most of our listeners know. Um, I think you're the you're the, the the lovely old curmudgeon, right? Yeah, I mean, I think those were the words of one of our reviews. But um, it's the second season in a row that Backstrom's kind of, as you said, it, it feels like he's been getting hurt a lot. Um, he obviously had those few years, or really that one season, eleven, twelve, where he was really banged up back in the day. But since then, he's been relatively healthy. Uh, he had played at least 75 games in every season between 13-14 and 18-19. Um, so m- maybe there, and I believe he was actually pretty healthy during the regular season in 19-20 as well. He played 61 games. So um, I-, I don't know, Greg. I mean, maybe you just say, hey, the guy really hasn't been hurt that much since those concussion issues went away. Um, so maybe he'll, those injuries will not continue to be an issue. Um, and his vision is still his vision. Uh, the guy still sees the ice better than just about anybody else. The NHL players, I believe, voted him the best passer in the league. Um, and, and that's, I mean, I, I can't think of a better praise than, than for your peers to say you're the best at any individual skill. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you you would also think that the uh, the skill set that Backstrom has probably will age at least decently well, given that he's never been particularly reliant on speed or maybe elite puck handling or something, you know, aren't are things you would necessarily just say for Nicholas Backstrom. So that being said, um, Backstrom, uh, we're, we're going to do our, our scoring here. And um, the, the one to 10 scale for Japers rank, just to remind our listeners, is not necessarily how good you think a player is, but it's uh, relative to his potential and your expectations for the season. So that give it, that being said, what would you rate Backstrom uh, this year from one to 10? Um, I'd probably have him around a seven. I think, I mean, I've always got reasonably high expectations for Backstrom, but I, I didn't expect him to put up the point total that he did. Um, really interesting. If you're looking at the rink wraps um, written by who wrote this one, Becca wrote this one. Uh, I mean, it looks like he was 93rd percentile for overall play this year, which is just fantastic. So, yeah, uh, 
you know, like I, I probably have him as like a seven and a half. Um, great, great year for Backstrom. Um, just gotta hope he stays healthy moving forward and, and can find ways to uh, continue to compensate for his lack of foot speed. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you at around a seven. I, I think that Backstrom also, to his infinite credit. Uh, particularly early on in the regular season when there was a lot of injuries and things really could have got went sideways. He, they, they played him a lot and really rode him a lot and he was clutch. He really was. And so, yeah, I, I like the, the end of the season deterioration, I think the whole, look, the whole team <laughs> fell apart against Boston and everything like that. So I don't know how much I blame Backstrom for it, particularly given he obviously was not healthy. So I think I'm right at a seven for Nicholas Backstrom. And, uh, Speaking of highly paid players who I think were kind of interesting this year, uh, this is going to be my awkward transition to talking about John Carlson. So Carlson, I wrote the rig wrap on Carlson this year, and he um, was interesting because his underlying play actually was better than you would think it was. Um, he, I think it, they, the, in terms of the players he was playing with, I think it was obviously a little bit of a mixed bag. The Caps, I think, really tried to play him with Orlov when they thought it was reasonably possible to do so, but that all, that obviously didn't happen the whole season. And in the playoffs, Carlson was obviously not healthy. He can join the club. And the the pair of him and Orlov really struggled. So kind of reflect on John Carlson's season a little bit. Kind of where, where do you think he's at for the Caps, and what do you think the long-term outlook is for Carlson at this point? So Carlson a lot like backstrom it's hard to uh, not uh, separate kind of recency bias from the playoffs i mean we're, we're recording at the end of june so it's not super recent for us but it is the last time we saw him play um and he was bad in the playoffs yeah. i mean th- there's no other real way to put it i mean he was very clearly not the capitals best defender uh dimitri orlov was you know heads and shoulders better than him in the playoffs in my opinion um, and it, it's just, it's hard to shake those images of Carlson not being able to connect with Ovechkin on the power play. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of looked like when he first took over for Mike Green, um, when it, it, it was kind of a shock to see Green not there anymore. And, and it felt like Carlson was always, you know, a bit too far behind and he'd overcompensate and go a bit too far in front of Ovechkin. Um, but he was obviously nursing an injury. Um, he's still put up 44 points in 52 games. Uh, he's a solid offensive defenseman. Um, I, I don't think he is uh, great at defense. Um, you know, if you look at that chart, he was 96th percentile on offense, 18th percent on defense. So I, I think that's a pretty accurate picture of kind of what we got from John Carlson this year. Um, it's a long contract, but, it, you know, if, if I was going to take uh, all the guys that kind of finished ahead of the, in, in, in Norris Trophy voting, right, or just think about this year, I mean, I don't think he – like, I'd rather have Dougie Hamilton, right, someone like that. Um, sure. But at the same time, you know, Dougie's definitely a better two-way defenseman, but personally, I'm starting to get very worried about the Caps' offensive production moving forward. So it, it, it's, it's a tough spot for the organization, and, uh, and Carlson's going to be making a lot of money. So um, they, they made their bed with, with John Carlson. Uh, it's nice to have a guy that they, that they drafted that's going to be here for a long time. And, um, you know, he will be leaned on to be the guy um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I, 
again, like the, the concern I have too is that, I mean, he's going to be going into his age 32 season and he might have just had a major knee injury. We're not totally sure exactly how severe it was. We don't know if he's going to need surgery on it, but he was someone that was very obviously hobbled during the playoffs. And uh, we could see that a hobbled John Carlson just cannot hold up to the best players in the league, which, you know, you would say, all right, like a lot of hobbled players aren't going to be able to compete with Boston's perfection line and everything like that. But that's what they need Carlson to do, right? Like they're going to need him to put up points and be productive against the best players in the league, particularly when you're paying him $8 million a year for another six plus years. And, uh, you know, on top of that, we have the flat cap, which is going to kind of curtail, not that the caps are going to look to move Carlson, but it would curtail kind of the 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 value of the contract too uh so that's that's a concern that i have that said i mean you're right he put up a lot of points again this year uh defensively he wasn't great but i mean you know that's he's put up paid to put up points and he did put up points again so i think the the interesting question i have to you adam is who do you think he's going to play with next year oh uh, i've got no idea (laughs) <laughs> uh, would you would you would you try would you want to give Orlov and Carlson another shot or are you kind of uh down in the dumps for those two as a pair? I'm kind of a, a firm believer in having a solid top four and uh defenseman and, and I and I, I think Orlov's probably good enough at this point to carry to still carry his own defensive pairing. So I, I'd probably have him split. Um but but you know, so someone's gotta play with the other high paid defenseman on the roster, so um, yeah, there's a lot of money, so you can spread it out across the defensive pairings. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think that I, along with you, Adam, I'm assuming you do not want to see him play much with Brendan Dillon, uh, correct? I don't really know if I want to see any capital play with Brendan Dillon. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point. All right, well, all that being said, uh, where would you – I'm not going to cheat and look at what the fans say this time, but uh, where, where would you put John Carlson on the same 1-10 to 10 scale that we outlined earlier? Um, I'd probably put him on the uh, – somewhere between like a – Four and a five, or a five and a six. I have to probably probably five, honestly. Um, um, yeah, he is, kind of, he is kind of what we thought he was. Take into account the injuries. Uh, you know, once I take injuries into account, I think five is probably a solid spot for him. Um, and and, I, and I, again, I'm trying not to weigh the playoffs too too heavily. Like tr- kind of trying to treat it kind of like the awards voters, like where they have to vote before the postseason. Uh, but I, but I'm going to color it a little bit, but try not to give it too much weight. Yeah, I think I'm right there actually with you at a five. I, if you're talking about long term, like how we think this contract is going to age, I think I'm going to be a little lower on the spectrum than a five. But that being said, like he was fine. You know, he, I think, did kind of what you would expect, not much more than an eight million, you know, dollar player, but. I think he was right around there. So, yeah, I think I think a five is about right. And our fans had him actually a bit higher. The, the plurality winner was him at a seven. And uh, it was roughly between a five and a seven, around a six. So we're there, but we're maybe a yeah. little more pessimistic, which uh, I think fits with the uh, the pattern of these rank drafts, does it not? It, it's a very interesting distribution for this vote because uh, while seven was the most common, 
it, it was really about the same as five and six. And then there were a yeah. significant number of four votes as well. Uh, I bet the average vote there is actually probably closer to like a five and a half. So pretty interesting. There you go. There you go. All right. Next up on the list is uh, Daniel Carr, who played uh, like three, like five games or something like that and uh, uh, scored one point. So Daniel Carr, pass or play? Would you do you want to see Daniel Carr in a Caps uniform playing games next year? Oh, I don't know about that, but I'm passing because I don't want to talk about him. All right. Fair point. Fair point. I'm, I'm with you. On that <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, do you want to see him in a Capitals uniform? I don't, I don't know. Probably not at this point. It's, you know, he's not, uh, not someone I, that gets me, that gets me out of bed every morning. Uh, all right. So, uh, next up is someone that's interesting and someone who I think had about, I'm not going to bias this too much, but I think had about a best case scenario for his year, given the way it started. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Zidane Chara. So Adam, um, I, you know, I, I, I will put my cards on the table. I did not love the start that Zidane O'Chara had to the year, but it sounds like kind of once the Caps were able to get their deep hairs set and they were able to play him in pretty heavily sheltered minutes with Nick Jensen, he was pretty good and a lot better than I thought. Obviously didn't score much, which uh, he's 43. You wouldn't expect him to score that much, but uh I, you know, I think, and I, I think the odds that he's in a Capitals uniform next year are probably pretty low, but I don't know, kind of, kind of, what did you think about Zidane O'Chara this year? I was pretty happy with Big Z, to be honest with you. I thought he was, uh, I, I, a lot like you did, I felt the Caps were leaning on him a lot more than I expected at the start of the season. Um, as his utilization went down a little bit, my thoughts about him got better. I mean, he had a couple plays throughout the year where you could, like, tell he's, you know, 43 years old. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he wasn't the worst defenseman on the roster, and, he, you know, he I probably would have rather had had him out there than Brendan Dillon in high leverage situations. So, um, I mean, and Charles loves like as little credence as our listeners know, I usually give to kind of like in the room stuff. I mean, he was kind of like Orpic was in Orpic's last season. Remember how Orpic all of a sudden had good underlying numbers, I think, in his final season or something like that? Yeah, his, and, his last two years, he was actually pretty good. Yeah. And Charles, Part with Nate Schmidt's a hell of a drug, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that helped. But, I mean, just in general, I just, well, Schmidt was gone, I think, for his last few years. But, but yeah, that, the, the uh, last year, that is correct. He, Nate Schmidt was gone. Uh, yeah. Um, so, Char, I mean, Char, happy for him. Thought he was great. If he's back in the league, I, I mean, the Caps are, are ready to go younger on D. They have to go younger on D. Um, these guys have been stewing in the minor leagues forever. So, um, you know, it, it was cool to have Char. It's just a shame we didn't get to see him, Lundqvist, and Ovechkin all on the ice at the same time in a cap team form. Yeah, kind of the kind of the great what if, right? That was a bit of a bummer, but uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on Chara. Like I, you know, I think that he, I, I mean, he obviously he could, and, and, and I think the lack of speed really exposed itself at times on the penalty kill. Um, but I, I, he's so smart and so aware of where he needs to be on the ice that I think that it it kind of worked out for him, and uh, you know, he kind of. Does, is always in such great position that it and has such a long freaking stick that it can kind of ma- it can kind of mask a lot of the uh, other concerns I would have about Shara and uh, kind of his effectiveness. So I, I give him credit for that. That that said, where would you where would you put Shara on our scale from one to ten? Uh, probably like an easy eight. Yeah, I was actually I. 
Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of right there between a seven and an eight. So I guess I'm going to, I'll split the difference here and say seven and a half. And our fans, um, yeah, they were like right, actually right there. Um, it, it, eight's the plurality, seven is the second. So yeah, people really like Sedano Chara this year. And I, I think that's fair. I do think I'm with you on this. I don't think he's a capital next year just because you know, they have to get younger at some point, one would hope. Um, but, you know, good good, good on Chara, and I think he was good this year. Next up on the roster is uh, Human Typo and a uh, guy who didn't play at all for the Capitals this year, which is uh, Phoenix Copley. Um, so Phoenix Copley pass or play? Would you like to see Phoenix Copley play a, a game for the Capitals next year or not? Uh, no. Probably not. <laughs> agreed, agreed, agreed. All right, next up is uh, Brenda Dillon, who I think we all talked about as uh, someone who was not very good this year. And uh, I think also presents a, a set of interesting problems to the Capitals because they have been signed for another, I believe, three years at $4 million per with a flat cap. And I know that there was talk that you know, maybe Seattle would take him, which uh, I would be surprised, but maybe they will. That would be ideal. But I guess let's kind of, what, what do we think went wrong with Brendan Dillon this year? Because I have a theory, but I want to I wanna kind of hear your thoughts before I dive into mine. So, so Brendan Dillon kind of, obviously we weren't super high on him. What, what do we think went wrong this year? Well, first I want to say that his expected gold numbers and all that stuff are well better, way better than I expected. So. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wrote the rink wrap on that, and I was kind of surprised by that. Actually, 83rd percentile, which did not at all fit how I saw him this year. No. Uh, I think the problem is that he was almost a symbol of a problem within the organization right now, which is just a lack of foot speed, a lack of you know dynamic playmaking ability. Um, just, just the way he plays the game is... is uh, is slow. I mean, the, the, when I watch him, um, I mean, we saw a lot in the playoffs. He was he was kind of a knock it off the boards kind of guy. Um, you know, the chip up up the ice, and uh, it just didn't work. Um, and, and you know, the Capitals need him to be a dynamic puck mover. Um, originally, when they talked about Brendan Dillon, it was supposed to be a guy who could make the big hits, but was also able to move the puck well. Um, and, and I just got to. I just didn't see it from him. Uh, he reminded me much more of a earlier Brooks Orpik, uh, a Brooks Orpik that to me almost felt like a liability because he got burned all the time. I know Alan May and other people who really know the game say that Dylan was left out to dry frequently by his uh, by his teammates on the ice. Um, and they're probably right. Uh, they know more about it than I do. But when it feels like it's the same guy getting burned every single time, at some point it starts to be, well, is he just not fitting in with what the rest of the team is trying to do? Um, and that might be the case, but then again, Brendan Dillon looks like plays like it feels like Laviolette wants his team to play. Uh, Laviolette's not looking to have this team be a, a thoroughbred. I mean, he he is really he's he's trying to play uh, with workhorses. So um, yep. kind I of a meat potato coach. Exactly. Uh, yep. I think they they like him. Uh, I think the Caps probably like him a hell of a lot more than than I do. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't really like Dylan even when we saw him after he was acquired. So besides when he beat the crap out of Evgeny Malkin, so uh, <laughs> that, that, 
that, that, that's kind well, of as long as you have the key priorities in mind, that's what really matters, right? <laughs> Listen, you know, if you're not gonna beat them on the scoreboard, gotta beat them, gotta beat them uh, with fisticuffs, right? That's, there you uh, go, there you go, there theory. you go. Yeah, and, and I mean, I the thing that gives it away for me is a you know, I don't know if the Caps really had Dylan's role figured out in a way, is that the best player he played with last year was Trevor Van Riemsdyk, which is weird and fascinating to me. But it also says to me that I think the Caps have Dylan typecast maybe in a, in a way that's not actually fitting with what he's bringing. So, and I say that because TVR is a stay-at-home defenseman, right? Like, TVR is someone that is actually defensively responsible. And I think putting him with Dylan allowed Dylan maybe a little bit more freedom, which I think may have actually been a weirdly better skill set for Dylan than I thought it would be. And I almost wonder if they have him typecast in a incorrect way as a stay as a pure stay at home defenseman because I don't know if you look at Dylan, and I've said this on the podcast before, he doesn't actually stand still very much. He's constantly moving and I think he's constantly seemingly out of position at times and I you know I, I wonder uh, what the what the end goal with Dylan here is because I mean, the Cavs do have a lot of offensive defensemen and they re-signed TVR last like uh, this year so I don't I don't exactly know what kind of the end game with Brendan Dylan is so I don't know kind of what, what do you hope the Caps try to do with him is there any way you think the Caps can salvage him and uh I guess kind of it's your, your turn to give him a rating. So kind of tie those two things together for me. Uh, so Brendan Dillon is 30 years old. Um, can he be salvaged? Uh, I feel like that maybe is a bit unfair. I, I don't think he was. I think he he played kind of what I how I expected him to play. You know, I, it just... It just was not what I wanted to see. It doesn't mean it's not what I expected. It doesn't mean it's not what the team expected. It's just not. He plays kind of an old style of hockey. It's kind of aggressive. It's not. It's not conducive to a more kind of speed based game. And uh, and again, I'm I'm sorry to harp on this to our listeners, but I mean the Capitals aren't playing that way either, and that's not. Nope. It does not look at all that that is their plan, and uh, so so the, the, it's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, I think Dylan will probably end up playing the rest of his time out on his contract. I think he will be a a mediocre player, mediocre meaning kind of like average ho hum, and, and you know I'd, I'd give him a five. I mean, not my favorite guy. Uh, I've already made that clear, but you know I, I don't I don't knock the guy for that. It's it's he play he plays his style of hockey and I think he plays the way the coaches want him to. It's just just not how I want him to. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's fair. And I mean he did the Caps did somehow score a lot more goals when he was on the ice at, at you know than uh you know at even strength, which is interesting to me and it didn't really fit with what I saw. I'm actually gonna go I think a little bit lower. I when when you're paid four million a year, I would expect maybe a little bit more like, you know, guy who at least could maybe moonlight on a top pair. And I don't think he was there this year. So I'm going to, I'm going to go like three and a half, four is kind of, is kind of where I'm at. And our fans are 
pretty much right at a five, like a pretty even bell curve there. So, uh, so Adam, I guess they're closer to you than me, which, which makes sense. Uh, all right. Uh, we got, I'm just going to do one more player. We're going to buzz through it. Uh, Nick Dowd was scored 11 goals, which is high. I, and they have him signed, I think for a little bit longer. And Dylan, uh, let's, let's, just give a, give a brief overview on how you thought about Dylan and give him a, give him a number score. For, for Nick Dowd? Yeah. Uh, Nick, Nick Dowd was a pleasant surprise. I mean, Capitals fourth line was a pleasant surprise all year. Um, when we previewed the season, my dad has poked fun at me about this multiple times. I said I thought the Capitals bottom six was, was, was crap. I would not be able to kind of get it done in the, uh, kind of throughout the year, uh, especially offensively. And boy, did I look uh, wrong when it came to raw production. Uh, you know, he, he tallied 11 goals, as you said. Um, his, his line mates were also very productive in limited ice time. Um, they were on a bit of a PDO bender for sure. But um, and I, do I think it will repeat itself? No, definitely not. But, um, you know, g- good for them. You know, I mean, that line was together the entirety of the season. Um, and uh, honestly, they were uh, one of the consistent bright spots um, for the entire year. I mean, and, and they, they they were getting heavy, heavy defensive minutes. So, um, and, and they were great in the postseason too. So, uh, I, don't, I really don't have anything negative to say about uh, any of the guys on the fourth line, except for maybe Carl Heiglund. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite player, Carl Hagen. But yeah, I'm actually with you on Nick Dowd. I mean, he scored 11 goals this year, which was a career high in, uh, you know, production for him. I, I would not expect him to shoot 16% going forward. But what's weird is that's actually not all that much of an aberration from his time as the Caps because he shot right around 16% as a capital. So now, like, again, you know, obviously the underlying metrics aren't going to be as favorable with Nick Dowd, but whenever you have your fourth line center scoring 11 goals, the vast majority of which are going to be at even strength. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's good. So uh, yeah, I'm going to give, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm tempted to say right around an eight for Nick Dowd, just because this came kind of out of nowhere for me. Uh, where, where are you at on, on giving Dowd a, uh, a number score? I think I would give him a nine, but I think a nine. didn't Dowd took the really, really dumb penalty, right? And he did. Uh, yeah, he like Dowd giveth and Dowd tooketh away. If I'm remembering, yeah, he did. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'd still give him a nine. Uh, I mean, he he was great. Kudos to him. Ha- happy to have him back in a Caps uniform for you know another season or two, whatever, whatever his contract is. So. Yep, 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 and uh, Dowd. Uh, yeah, I, I'm at an eight, and uh, our fans are somewhere kind of. Between an eight and a nine, uh, eight being the plurality, but nine being the second highest total. So actually kind of roughly where we are, I think it's safe to say. All right. Um, let's, call, let's call it a wrap here because, uh, Adam, you got to go. So uh, real quick, where can people find you and your various musings on things? Uh, still on Twitter at StringMA. I am not talking a lot about the Caps right now during the offseason, though. Just so you guys know, I think my like only tweet last week was about Warzone. So, um, there you go. When the Caps do stuff, I'll be posting about it. But, you know, right now I'm trying to kind of decompress. My wife said uh, I almost gave myself a blood clot when the Caps gave up a few of those playoff goals. So, uh, you know, trying to enjoy it. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, we've, I think we both, safe to say, have higher prior, have uh, higher higher priorities. 
All right, real quick, if you like the show, please rate, or subscribe, review. Uh, we need everyone because uh, there's other caps stuff out there, which is awesome, but also we want to still do well. So there you go. Uh, you can find me at, at Greg Y underscore JR, and you can find the uh, show at, at JPersonic Radio. And uh, uh, next week or two, uh, we're going to do some more rank wraps. So uh, stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm.